Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Fifth chapter, fifth chapter of Shemot. Um, show you what verse we're on. I'm all famished here. Okay, so we I think we are halfway through um, the Rashi on verse 20 of chapter 5, really getting very close to the end of, um, one second, really getting close to the end of uh, Parshat Shmot, which we have been in for quite a long time. Um, Oh, I forgot to welcome everyone who's here on Zoom. Welcome people who are on Facebook Live, who are watching this madness, wondering what the hell is going on in this congregation in Los Angeles. And hello to those who are joining on the Temple Beth Am podcast all as well. Okay. Um, chapter 5, verse 20. Uh, no, verse 19. We haven't gotten verse 20 yet. Can I, can I point? Yeah. Matt? No, go ahead. Sorry. No, what? Can I point? Uh, I heard half of that. Can you say that again? There's a, there's a Seinfeld reference in verse in verse um, 18. Okay. We'll get to it. Go ahead. Sorry. My bad. Well, we're not going to get to it because we're on verse 19. So what's the what's the Seinfeld reference on verse 18? We don't go backwards. This is not Benjamin Button. Did we do? Did we do 18? Yeah, that's how we got to 19. Okay, fine. Never mind. Just well, ignore me. Well, let's hear it. Um, Going once. Sorry, did I miss me? I must have. No, I was there last week. I was there last week. Share it or don't share it. Oh, just where he says no. No, soup Tevin, no for you? Soup. Like no soup says, for you? What are you talking about? For you, exactly. Got no, it. Tevin, for you. That's Got all. It. No, Tevin, for you. Yes. Okay. The, the, the straw Nazi. Okay. I'm, that, I'm so glad we did right. that 60 seconds of airtime. Okay. Uh, now we now we continue uh, with verse nineteen, we, which we read last week, but we only got through one Rashi. That the supervisors, the officers uh, of the Israelites who were themselves Israelites, uh, saw them bera. Uh, we, 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 it's no no easier to translate that now than last week. In evil, in harshness, having a bad time, struggling. Hard to know. Lemor saying, "Lo tigru mi livnechem devar yom biyomo," saying that you uh, should not reduce from your uh, quota of bricks uh, on your your daily obligation. And the Rashi we read last week was focusing on just that first part of it, um, saying that the lest you think that they were saying that again. Right? It's kind of an odd syntax that the officers saw the beleaguered Israelites and then they said again, Lo No, Rashi says, saw them beleaguered by the fact that they had had to say earlier, sorry guys, the, you know, the, the command comes down from up top and you still have to produce the same amount of bricks even though you are not being given straw. That was Rashi's resolution of Lemur. We came up with different resolutions last week, which were also interesting, but that was Rashi's resolution. Now um, we're at, um, no, sorry, we finished the Rashi on that. Okay, that was just review. Now we're on verse 20. Uh, so let's see, uh, Sue, do you wanna read verse 20? 
Sure. Uh, <clears throat> it, uh, in are we in the in the Pshat or in the Rashi? Yeah, first start first first the okay. Okay. Veifkeu et Moshe veet Aharon nitzavim likratam likratam betzetam meet faro faro. And you use the et nachta as a as a pause. Correct. There's a pause. To make sure I did. I'm sorry for the phone. It's going to be spam risk. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, okay. And they 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 met um, Moshe. Moshe and Aaron met. Um, they they like their representative. They were they were considered the 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 representatives in going out from in leaving Pharaoh. Uh, we're getting there. Okay. So who who's the subject of the Vayifku'u? Who's the they? Motion motion Aaron, I think met and they met at Moshe and they met Vifku'u at Moshevet Aharon. Those two. Right. So the et tells us that Moshe and Aaron are the objects, the ones being met, right? So they met Pharaoh. Nope. Who's the, who's, who, what's the antecedent subject from the previous verse? Children of Israel? Israel. Shotrei b'nei Israel. Correct. Shotrei b'nei So I, I think we're supposed to understand this as meaning that the same subject of the previous verse, the Shotrei b'nei Israel, met, and we'll, we'll linger on the word met in a second, what Vayifku really means. Whom did they meet? Et tells us it's a whom. They met. Moshe the Aharon. What's interesting is that it's a it's a transitive verb, right? Um, I suppose in in actual English grammar, the word to meet is a transitive verb, except that it's not an action item, right? So um, that that's why vayifku is an interesting verb here. It really means to kind of bump into, right? To pagua. Well, it's like to injure, kind of. It's a. Right. It's not yifkeshu. It's not they had a meeting. It's right. not they met up. It's it's they hurt each other. <clears throat> Way back years hurt. ago, when we were in Parshat Vayetze, and we read about Vayifgaba Makom, that Yaakov met up with God or the angel, it was a, you know, a, a violent substantive encounter, right? Mm. Not a prearranged meeting. Uh, anyone present, there's a microphone that you can, if you're going to comment, uh, so that the people on Zoom can hear you, right? Um, so it's interesting. Uh, the verb that's chosen, but they met up with motion Aaron. And what does Nitzavim mean, Sue? Uh, Nitzavim are its representatives. It's like they're they're like the they're the. You're, I think you're confusing it with Nitzag Nitzigim. I am. Yes. Uh, Nitzavim, Matt, your hand is up. Unmute. Is it, is it like oath? Like they're the the sworn in as leaders, kind of? No. No, it's like arranged or arrayed, like soldiers are arrayed on before a parade or something. Right. So we have a partial nitzavim. Atem nitzavim hayom kuchem lefnei nayloechem. The Moshe says at the end of the wanderings throughout uh, the uh, the desert, Moshe says to the Israelites, "You are it's often translated standing here, but it means like a very alert." present standing it's different than just not moving it's not 
It's not standing still. It's a so so if we could rescue your translation, Sue, it's more of a presenting as opposed to representing, right? Um, the root nun sadibet or yud sadibet means something stable, something in modern Hebrew which is yatsiv is mm -hmm. stable, right? So perhaps what we translate here is that the Shotrebne Israel bumped into Moses and Aaron who had placed themselves, who who were who were representing or presenting themselves likratam to greet them when where but satan made paro as they were leaving their audience with pharaoh okay see a couple of hands on zoom and a couple of hands in person uh larry diane first so first i'll say something rick was going to laugh at because this is a, what happens with when we're doing after all the time i hate the jps translation but it's also the um Aria Kaplan translation. Why do they invert the order of the phrase? I don't understand. Because clearly the, the Hebrews intended to say that they encountered, in the word, I think encounter is the right word here, that they encountered Moses and Aaron before telling us that they, at, that when did they encounter them? After they had left um, <clears throat> Pharaoh. But Alter's translation, I think, has it exactly right. He says, <clears throat> and they, obviously meaning the overseers, and they encountered Moses and Aaron poised to meet them as they came out from Pharaoh. So I think the two, so I think the order is right. I think encountered is right. And I think the word poised is a great translation there for Nitzavim. So Nitzavim modifying the Shotrev in Israel as opposed to Moshe, is that what you're suggesting? No, I think that Nisavim is uh, modifying Moses and Aaron. The, 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 they, they encountered, so who is the they? It's the, it's the overseers, right? Vayifka'u is, the, is the, the overseers encountered. Who did they encounter? They encountered Moses and Aaron. What were Moses and Aaron doing? They were poised to meet them. And when were they poised to meet them? As they came out. Aha, so Moses and Aaron kind of emerging from Pharaoh were, pre were preparing themselves to meet their, those, those officers, the supervisors. I'm going to tell you that I don't think Moses and Aaron were there to begin with. We had this conversation last week. This is these, this is the overseers when they said last week and Aaron verse, verse 19, um, and you'll forgive my vernacular, the Ra is they're saying, boy, we're in shit, <laughs> right? We're, we're in, right? We're in bad. Like vernacular, we're in trouble. That's gonna be Why the first time something's gonna be bleeped out from a Temple Bethon podcast. Oh, sorry. Anyways, so, so I think that in fact what's happened is there was a private, there was a conversation between the overseers and Pharaoh that that was that Moses and Aaron were already gone. So now when the overseers are leaving, Moses and Aaron have positioned themselves at the exit of the chamber where they're meeting. And so, I don't want to be redundant, the overseers encountered Moses and Aaron who positioned themselves um, to meet them at the, uh, when they left, when they, the overseers, left Pharaoh. Okay, so that's very interesting. And um, it's, it's, it, there's an ambiguity in the verse as to what, as to really what, what all the verbs refer to. The Nitzavim and the Likratam and the Tzetam. 
because we don't have who the they's are. Look how Everett Fox translates it. And I'm not, I have no idea if Everett Fox is more or less accurate compared to the original intent of the verse than the one you just read. Uh, they confronted Moshe and Aaron, comma, so Beifku confronted, stationing themselves to meet them when they came out from Pharaoh. Meaning, Everett Fox is reading the Nitzavim Likratam as modifying the Shotre B'nai Israel as they were leaving the presence of, of Pharaoh, they stationed themselves so that they would bump into Aaron and Moshe going around their business. No, what? Why? Yeah, you can't be heard, Barry. I don't agree with that. Uh, it's, uh, I agree with Larry. It was, it's too clear. Um, Moshe and Aaron were not at Pharaoh. The, uh, the Shodrim were at Pharaoh. And, that's right. That's and, how Ever Fox so, is reading it. Uh, so uh, they, the, the Shodrim, accidentally, without plan ahead, weren't, without anticipation, they bumped into Moshe and Aaron. Why would they bump into them? Because Moshe and Aaron were right there at the exit. They were waiting to, for them to come out. Yes. So we, we have two sides of the story here. The, the, the Shodrim, they're, they're worried where the, the pile of mess they're stuck in, and they're coming out of the, the door. And uh, there is motion error in their way. And my concern is uh, why are motion error passive? They, 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 they have no, no active position in this. Only Sotrim have active position in this story. So, so we, could all, we can all have midrashic understandings as to what we think could or should have happened in the verse. The translators are trying to make sense of the words. And the translators, at least on, from Everett Fox, is saying the, the nitzavim likratan standing there in order to meet them as they left uh, from Pharaoh's presence, it's two different thems, right? So according to Ever Fox, the, the uh, Shotrim were Nitzavim, in order to meet them, which them? Moshe and Aaron, but Seitam, when they, the officers, left Pharaoh, because you're right, it's the officers who were just in Pharaoh's presence, not Moshe and Aaron. As if to say, they had their audience with Pharaoh, it didn't go work. They said to themselves, you know what? When we leave, our first job is to make sure that we can find Moshe and Aaron to convey to them our dismay. So they stationed themselves, knowing perhaps that that's where Moshe and Aaron would often walk. So that's a different translation than Arya Kaplan, but it works in the words. Uh, okay, Rick? Okay. Hi. There you go. Okay. Okay. Hi. So, um, I wanted to just bring up uh, why is it et Moshe and then ve'et aharon. Um, earlier, it's Moshe ve'aharon um, when Pharaoh's talking to them. Um, beginning of uh, chapter five, the uh, first verse, um, uh, Moshe ve'aharon, and 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 that. So. It just brings to mind Breshit, et ha-shemayim ve-et ha-aretz. It's the same deal. Why do you need the extra et? So that's where the women are created for uh, Cain and Abel to have uh, wives and stuff, right? So here, I just wanted to point out, maybe, I don't know, but um, Moses had a certain relationship with the Shotre and, and Aharon had another. I don't know, but they are separated here. Um so I, I thought I'd just point that out. Um, and I, I don't you mean, see, two, you mean that there are two ets? 
Yes. Got it. Okay. It could, right. it could have been at Moshe Aharon, like they were together when they were talking with Pharaoh. Correct. Um, I don't see them leaving Pharaoh, by the way, Moses and Aaron. Um, maybe I'm just missing it. But um, he was saying, you know, why do you need to go in in uh, to uh, in the wilderness? But um, I, I don't see Moses and Aaron leaving Pharaoh's presence. I think they're still they're still there. I, I don't know. I'm just asking. Well, remember, there are endless arguments of, from silence because we don't we also don't see Moshe going to the bathroom. I don't mean to be cheeky. Like we don't we're not told every detail of what happened. We're told uh -huh. we're, we're, we're supposed to be focusing on the things that were said, not that weren't said. We're not right. given every stage direction. So is it possible that because we were not told that Moshe and Aaron uh, left, that they're still hanging out there and they were present when the Shochrim came? Maybe, but to me, it seems like an unnecessary read, if that makes sense. Um, okay, Sue? No, I, I went I went backwards to try to figure out who was who and who was with Pharaoh and stuff, but it it turned out on um, I'm I'm okay. <laughs> you want me to keep reading? Uh, not yet. Okay. Uh, Renee. So, in addition to being in a bad state, which we already know, um, Saperstein says that when they that when they encountered the guards of the children of Israel, that they were standing opposite them. So, I don't know if that has anything to do with what their position was, not only physically, but their position. Uh, against the uh, guards. That's how he translates it, or that's in a comment? No, that's how he translates it. They encountered Moses and Aaron standing opposite them as they left Pharaoh's presence. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, Saperstein is agreeing with Ever Fox that the leaving Pharaoh's presence is referring to the Shotrim, obviously, not to Moshe and Aaron, and as they left. I mean, standing opposite, sure. Nitzavim lekratam. Um, you know, presenting themselves to meet them, standing to greet them, standing opposite. These are all shades of another, and none of them is any any is, is uh, in, uh, certainly more accurate than the others. But I don't know if the, I'm saying I don't know if the opposite means more than just the physical standing opposite, but also opposite in in uh, demeanor. My guess is, and I don't know that I'm right, that he's trying to make sense of the word nitzav and why it's not omdim, and that and to 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 nitzav means to stand and present yourself with a, in a particular way, a particular stance. It's not just standing still. And by throwing in the word opposite, he's suggesting a certain uh, intentionality of how they stood there. But right. I, I can't interview him, so I don't know. Uh, Barbara and then Joanna. First, I'd just like to comment on what Rick just said. The ets in classic biblical Hebrew are absolutely necessary for direct objects. Correct. Which is what you have here. I don't think you actually explained that. I don't know about modern day Hebrew, but it's ve'et, ve'et, ve'et. If you, if you have four direct objects, they all have a net in front of them, and it doesn't mean anything other than they're direct objects. Then second of all, I just have a question. Is there any other place in the Torah? I always thought it was only Moshe and Aharon who went in front of Pharaoh. This this is I I never realized that the Shotrim or any Hebrews went in front of, of, of Pharaoh. Is there any other place in the Torah where other than Moshe and Aaron that the Hebrews go in front of the Torah of the Pharaoh? Yes. Yeah, so your second comment first. 
Um, we lingered on this a bit when we confronted this verse, I don't remember if it was one, two or three weeks ago in verse 15, where uh, the verse began by Israel, that the officers of the Israelites came by Itzaku El Paro and they cried out to Pharaoh. And you're right, it's not just Moshe and Aaron who are in front of Pharaoh in that situation. Going back to Rick's comment, are Moshe and Aaron still standing there because we haven't been specifically told that they left? Maybe. And how did they get that audience? We don't know. But you're right to note, Barbara, that it's worthy of comment that not just the highest leaders of the Israelites got that audience and how that came to be, we don't know. You're asking me, do we ever have a situation where anyone else is in front of Pharaoh? I believe in one of the encounters, it's Zikne Israel, right? That the Moshe, Aaron, the Zikne Israel are there, but you don't have individual Israelites who are entreating Pharaoh. In terms of your comment about et, it's, it's both, Barbara. You're right that et means and only means direct object, but there are many times in Torah where there are several direct objects and there's one et for all of them. And sometimes you have many direct objects and each of them gets their own et. It's, it, it seems to be a, a stylistic, a stylistic um, um, option for the, for the construction of the text. Uh, Joanna? Um, first, just to speak to this, um, what Barbara was talking about, the et, I think also there are many times in Torah where, in fact, the et is missing. So it's it's sort of a very hard read on, you know, really working that through all the way through Torah. I originally raised my hand because um, I wanted to comment on Rick's comment about whether Moshe and Aharon are still there. And I think not. And just to take you quickly through a quick read of the chapter, um, I think there is at least two and possibly more separate meetings happening with Paro, right? So the parak begins with Moshe and Aharon in, coming to Paro. And then in Pasuk Vav, Paro orders the taskmasters that very same day. In that very same meeting moments later when Moshe and Aharon are still there, or not, that I think is open for a question. But then I, I think that, you know, starting around verse 10, there's a real time lapse between the next meeting um, in front of Paro. The taskmasters go out and they speak to the people. And then the people spread out throughout the entire land to gather straw. And the taskmasters continue to talk to them about, you know, that they have to do their work the same amount every day. That to me seems to suggest that there's now like a bit of a time lag that had to have been, I think, over at least several days. And then we come to verse 19, that the Shotrim, um, verse 15, that the Shotrim come to Paro. So that to me seems by the time we get to 15, definitely a brand new meeting after they've been out and dispersed over the land. Once we get to 15, we hear nothing of Moshe and Aharon until our very verse now. And sort of my midrash on that is Moshe and Aharon got wind of the fact that the show dream went to speak to Paro and they were so, you know, curious and eager to know what happened in that meeting that they went to wait for them, you know, outside the court. And therefore the show dream leave and they encounter Moshe and Aharon. 
That's great, Joanna. And that's, that's, I think, the strongest marshalling of arguments to explain why Nitzavim Likratam would refer to Moshe and Aaron, not to the Shotrim, right? That, that as soon as those Shotrim left Aaron's presence, who did they bump into? They literally bumped into Moshe and Aaron, who were there basically saying, what, what, what are you doing? We're the representatives, not you. How, how did you get inside Pharaoh's para, palace if you want to communicate to Pharaoh's through us? Right. So it's really interesting and fascinating to have a disagreement. And, and it really does like here the disagreement and translation really changes the tone of the story and the relationships between uh, Moses, Aaron and the people. Right. So I, 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 I however many meetings there were beforehand, I think um, it's right to suggest that the Nitzavim Likratam might be referring to motion Aaron and Ever Fox disagrees and that's OK. Uh, Barry, let me get to the two hands on the screen, then we'll get to you. Uh, Norm and then Rick. I think it's all well and good to say that Moshe and Aaron and maybe God have decided that they're the ones who should be dealing with Pharaoh, but I don't think anybody's consulted the rest of the Israelites about that. And the Shotrim um, have their own relationship with Pharaoh, and so it seems reasonable that they would go and um, be speaking with him directly. And the stance that Moshe and Aaron have is an indication that they're anticipating a confrontation. This is not they met, meaning um, they're getting together to plan what the next steps are going to be cooperatively. This is because it hasn't been settled. The people have not yet accepted Moshe and Aaron as their leaders. Um, and that's a very open question as far as the people in the show team in particular are concerned. Um, so I think Joanna's analysis is very clear. This verse is ambiguous and it's intentionally ambiguous and why the writer made this intentionally ambiguous, I wonder. Yeah, great Norm. Uh, before we get to Rick, Larry, can you read Alter's translation on that verse? Curious how he actually translates it. Yeah, I, I might have misspoke. The, that was the translation. That was Alter's translation. I'll read it oh. again, and I'll, then I'll read Arya Kaplan's, which is not as nice. Um, and they encountered Moses and Aaron, poised to meet them as they came out from Pharaoh. Um, read that one more time. And they... I'll read it without any pauses. And they encountered Moses and Aaron, poised to meet them as they came out from Pharaoh. That suggests that the poise to meet them is, I think that that suggests, here's like, we have a, we have a hard time even translating the English. That suggests that the poise to meet them is modifying motion Aaron. That's how I'm reading that English. Exactly, which is exactly, exactly what John is saying. And for me, it's, for me, it's hundred percent clear. And I disagree with Norm. There's any ambiguity, but okay, leave it at be as it may. And, and Arya Kaplan commits the same sin as JPS in inverting the order, saying, <laughs> when they were leaving Pharaoh, the, and even puts it, then he puts in brackets the foreman, to make sure that you know who he's talking about. When they were leaving Pharaoh, the foreman, encountered Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. Uh -huh. At least, at least Arya Kaplan, although he's inverted things, has, makes it also clear that Moses and Aaron were waiting to, to meet them. Yeah. Interesting. God, this is, uh, <laughs> we may never get to the Rashi's on this verse. I see everyone, I see, I see real hands and I see digital hands, but I want to maintain the order. It's Rick and then Barry and then Sue. I see you, Sue. Don't worry. I see you. I feel you. Hi. 
Hi, I forgot to ask you in my first time, um, does Uncleus help with uh, Va'arau and Kayamin Le Kadamuton? Yeah, Uncleus doesn't really help. Va'arau is an Aramaic word for standing. That's not the simplest Aramaic word for standing. So it's very similar to Nitzav, uh, a, 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 um, sorry, not standing, uh, encountering. It's it's a, 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 a bumping, a, I, I think it's the same root that, um, that Uncleus uses to translate Vayifkab uh, Makom way back in Parshat Vayetze. And Kayamin, uh, Kayamin is, is simpler than Nitzavim is. Kayamin really means they were there, they existed. They, they, they like, like kam, lakum, they were standing there. But I would say that maybe Uncleus brings down the, uh, the colorful meaning of Nitzavim into Kayamim a little bit, but it doesn't help at all with the syntax in terms of which pronoun goes with whom. Uh, Barry. So I, I want to build on what uh, Joanna was saying, and then especially what Norm just uh, uh, did, um, and that uh, I, what we're having here in, in the, the confusion of these verbs uh, is a, a, trans, a difficult transition of power um, we have um, Moshe and Aharon, they were commanded by God to go into uh, to uh, Pharaoh. Uh, the uh, the Shodrim were not. Uh, they they were kind of ballsy. Uh, and they went on their own to, to go beyond over beyond the uh, the officers to complain to Pharaoh. I thought it was pretty ballsy of them. And and now they're coming out, and and now we have the two leaderships um, bumping into and waiting for. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a clear, a difficult, uh, hurt, painful transition of power taking place now. Yeah, and uh, with that comment, Barry, it highlights why it's a bumping and not just a meeting. Um, before we go to Sue and then to Rosemary, Barry, if you can pass down the microphone to Rosemary, I want to read to you, uh, as, as you know, I have several different versions of Rashi that I use. I mean, the, usually the Hebrew is exactly the same, but several different editions. The one that I've been using most recently is this one, in case ever anybody is interested in getting it. It's really just, it's Pshuto Shal Mikra, and then Rashi Kipshuto. And mostly I use it for their elucidation of, of Rashi and their uh, hyperlinks to other sources that, are, that Rashi's um, collecting from. But I like their, um, I've got, I forgot who the uh, editor is, this edition's rendering of why the Hebrew verse is the way it is. Okay, because it weighs in very clearly as to who the who is on the verse. When the officers left Pharaoh, Pagshu, here's your Pagash, Renee, they met, right, or Sue, they, they, they met, they met up. That's the, their rendering of Vaivka, Vaivku. At Moshevi Haron, they met Moses and Aaron. When they, clearly the they here is Moshe and Aaron, when Moshe and Aaron were standing there, waiting to greet them, they were waiting, to hear, what was in the mouths of who? Of the Shotrim. To find out, had these underlings, the ones who were served, they were, they were sort of they, they don't really res- report to Moshe and Aaron. They're Israelites, but they report to the, the taskmasters. Ha'im had they been successful with their words, lahashpia al paro, to influence Pharaoh, she'akel min that he would lighten the 
um, the decree. It's almost as if this this rendering of the verse, this is not Rashi, this is the verse, is this editor saying, Moshe and Aaron struck out in front of Pharaoh. But as Barry was talking about before, Moshe and Aaron are not the only Israelites with power or authority in this scene. The, and the Shotrim are not in Moshe and Aaron's hierarchy, they're in Pharaoh's hierarchy. It's Pharaoh, Noxim, Shotrim, and then over here, Moshe and Aaron. So Moshe and Aaron find out that the Shotrim, their co-Israelites, went in and also had an encounter with Pharaoh, and they're waiting on the outside to see what happened. And as they come out, the Shotrim bump into them. They're not expecting, they're not trying to report to Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron, according to this read, are curious to find out what happened inside the chamber, what happened in the Holy of Holies. So that adds in yet another possibility that the that the bumping into is not the Shotrim who are eager to report to Moshe and Aaron, but Moshe and Aaron want to find out, were you successful or not? We weren't. We struck out. Were you successful? Sue, Rosemary, Vered. And then Rashi, maybe. Uh, maybe Rashi. Um, well, I, I, I want to, I, Barry said exactly what I was going to say while I was waiting to say it. So I think that, I do think there's ambiguity and I think it's there on purpose because we're in a, in, we're in a power um, battle um, soup. So it's, it's, you know, who's, who's there, who's not TV, who's, you know, they're battling it out for the, you know, whose primacy is, is going to be, is going to be here. And Moshe and Aaron, they really feel empowered. They don't give a crap about these Shotre Israel because they think Kodesh Baruch Hu is with them. So um, they're like just there to say, you know, uh, whatever. Um, and what Larry put in the chat is that this gets worse in the next verse. Like you have no idea who's talking to whom and who's saying what and who's who and what's what. So, you know, this, this is going to get worse, which more, which even more reinforces this idea that power is in power and leadership in, among the Israelites and, and the access to Pharaoh is getting murky. I don't think there's any ambiguity as to who the subject of verse 21 is, though. Mm -hmm. We'll get there in a second, or in a second, I mean a month. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, to me, 21 is clearer than 20, but, but I'm always open to be disabused of that notion. Uh, Rosemary? Um, I'm going to the kingdom. In any kingdom, even if powerful, they have always a day in a month or two days in a week. They give the permission to people to go and talk. Maybe they are in front of Pharaoh, the king, or maybe they are with the viziers or somebody. In the translation, it's very clear. They have been inside, and then they come out. Moses is there. Uh -huh. And I go behind the scene. Maybe this is something that they give the appointments to people to come in front of the king or uh, Pharaoh. And they intentionally become flow. So they give to the people first, and then Moses, Aaron, Levitan, mm. to create that conflict between the people already. They need that to make the power, divide the power. So maybe that's why Pharaoh and Moses were waiting to go in, and they are coming out. So none of them, they knew they will meet each other. Right. And that Good. makes the conflict. Um, uh, a, tech, a tech question, as we're still trying to figure out the best way to do this, for people on Zoom, you could, you could hear Rosemary, right? Does it matter to you that you couldn't see her while she was talking? Like, is it important to have 
a, like a camera on the person live. Okay. Do people? We of course would love to see Rosemary. I know, but like, <laughs> and then reverse to people in in person. Does you can hear when they're talking? Does it matter to you that you can't see? Like, do you need a screen here? Like with this broadcast onto the screen? Okay. Um, I, I think it would help to know who's speaking. Um, but beyond that, actually seeing them is not usually crucial. Okay, thanks. Sir. Yeah, but you, he can't hear you because you weren't on the microphone. Um, all right, uh, Vered, and then we're going to read Rashi. I'm, I'm determined. Boker Tov, Vered. Hmm. Boker Tov. Well, a couple of comments. Number one, about et, which is considered a preposition and a direct object. Like Joanne said, Sometimes it's there, sometimes it isn't. And the fact that you say, um, but it says, I don't think it should be um, a, a real concern in understanding, but uh, the pursuit. But I have um, a book that is called Kol uh, Rashi. Uh, on the Hamisha Chumshei Torah, and that uh, book refers to Pasuk 20, Pasuk Chaf, that the word Nitzavim is actually referring to Datan and Aviram. And they based it, because there is no Mukdam and Mouchar, they based it on the Pasuk that is in the book of uh, Bamidbar. Barrett, I'm going to pause you because we're going to see that in Rashi. So hold that thought. Let's okay. see how Rashi deals with it first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Let me, now this is something that the people on Zoom are going to have, but the people live are not going to have. I want to show you the Jastro's translation of Ayan Rish. Ayan Rick had asked if the um, way, ja, ja, way Uncleus translates Vayifgu as to Va'arau, if that tells us anything. So ayin reish ayin in Aramaic here means to come in contact with. Interestingly, um, the connections are to the root pagash and paga. And just notice that pagash and paga are in that category of three-letter roots who share the first two letters, which means they're in the same family. And paga might be a little bit more of an intensive of pagash to meet and to to meet to meet and to bang up. And apparently, ayin reish ayin in Aramaic can be used for both of them which means that we can learn nothing by Uncle Lys's, uh translation into the Aru. Either he's saying he, he's reinforcing the Paga part or he's saying, ah, this could have just been a Pagash. Okay, um, let's read Rashi. Woohoo! back to you, Sue. Vayifke'u. Hold on. Oh, oh, I'm open. Okay, Vayifke'u, I lost the spot. Wait a minute, I lost the spot where I am. How did I lose the spot? I turned the page. Okay, Vayifke'u. But if no, that's the wrong way to go. Yeah, and by the way, before before you read Rashi, just just so you know, this it's not obvious, but I'm telling you that what Rashi is going to say is opening up an entirely different way of reading this verse than we read it. But it's but all but Rashi's prepositions are also ambiguous, and so it's possible to miss. I think the way in which Rashi is reading this verse very differently than what we've spent the last forty five minutes reading it. Okay. Okay, but okay, Vayifka'u. Anashim me Israel et Moshev et Aharon Vagomer, the rabble. So, so, so do that part. Okay, 
and they met. Um, the the that the the Israelites. I think he's saying that the that the Israelites, Anashim Israel, the men of is the people of Israel. Well, really, the men of Israel at at Moshe at Aharon, and and the rest of them. They all met together. Is that what this is? So, what, the Gomer Anashim literally means men. Rashi, by using the word Anashim, Rashi is saying who's who's not the subject of this verse, according to Rashi. The not Moshe and Aaron. He's introducing a third possibility. You had oh. Moses and Aaron who had been in Pharaoh's presence before and had failed and actually made things worse. You had the Shotrim kind going in to, to you know, yell at Pharaoh. And now you have another group, other Israelite men met Moshe and Aaron. When did they meet Moshe and Aaron? When they, the Shotrim, had finished their encounter, as if to say that there were some men of Israel who heard that now a second group of Israelites were coming in front of Pharaoh's uh, presence to try to make things better. They had heard, I'm interpolating, that they had not been successful. And so now they said, okay, now it's time for us to go confront Moshe and Aaron because what they started has made it worse for us. And even the people who are connected to Pharaoh's hierarchy, the Shotrim, were unsuccessful in making better. So, um, and that sets up the comment that I asked Vera to hold on as to, well, which Anashim? Which Anashim, and I'm being intentional here, were stirring things up as if we needed more complications in terms of who was in control of the Israelite experience, okay? So pause that, and then we'll have you read in a second, Sue. Renee? So Saperstein, interestingly enough, says that the they doesn't refer to the guards who are the subject of the preceding verse, but that they is the righteous, is righteous men who would not have spoken harshly to Moses and Aaron. What's that? The officers. Uh-huh. Right. So Saperstein is agreeing with Rash. Well, he Saperstein is, is explaining Rashi that um, what's about to happen, the encounter between these Anashim and Moshe, which you'll see, is not particularly respectful. Saperstein is saying those would not have been the Shotrim who were, we can imagine, were more respectful people. They're actually people who, but um bump, this is anticipated what's coming up, had no problem speaking harshly and disrespectfully to Moshe. And who? Uh, is comfortable speaking harshly and disrespectfully to Moshe. Now we read, get, Sue, you keep reading, and then we'll resurrect what Renee said before, uh, what uh, Vered said before. Okay. Verabotenu <clears throat> darshu, the rabbis uh, interpreted this. Kol nitzim v'nitzavim datan v'aviram ayu sheneemar bahem and then bamidbar tet zayn Okay, translate, and then I'm going to share some verses. I just and it, like it was written in the Rabbotein Zashu, like it was, uh, like it was interpreted. Our rabbis interpreted, right? The um, in in every in every place where they're like standing in the way. I don't know if this is right. It's Datan and Aviram. They were the ones. Quotations around Sue. Every Nitzim and every Nitzavim that appear in the Torah, according to this particular Midrash, refers not just to general men, but to Datan the Aviram. Who are Datan the Aviram? I forgot. 
Right. They were cohorts of whom? Korach. Korach, right? They were part of Korach's crew, right? Which we had in the Parsha just two weeks ago. And they have no problem expressing their peak with what Moshe and Aaron, particularly what Moshe is doing in leadership. And this Midrash says, anytime you have those words, Nitzim and Nitzavim, it's an indicator. It's not just general Israelites, it's the rabble rousers, right? The rabble rousers are the ones who, Nitzav, I'm not standing, I'm Nitzaving, I'm puffing on my chest in front of you. I'm not, I'm, 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 in, I'm Nitzim, which we'll come back to in a second. I'm encountering you in a kind of um, an aggressive way. Look at this verse, one second, Sue. So this is also where I'm realizing I may need to have a screen because I'm pulling up something on my my screen, but you can't see it, the ones in person. So I, I think I need to be able to uh, project this. Um, so you'll have to just do this uh, listening. Uh, most of the verse is there in the, um, in the text. Chapter um, 15, 16 of Bamidbar, verse 27. Vaya'alu, vaya'alu me'al mishkan korach, um, datan ve'aviram. Datan Vebram kind of took themselves up from the where Korach was living, Misaviv. The Datan Ba'aviram, the two of the co-rabble rousers, Yatsu Nitzavim. They come out and they stood, Petach Olehem, on the outside of their tents, Unishehem Uvnehem Vitapam, and also their wives and their children. So the Midrash, according to Rashi, or yes, Rashi is quoting the Midrash that says, we have a Nitzavim there, which is Natan Baviram. And therefore, our Nitzavim is not just general Israelites, but specifically Datan Aviram. And some of you may also remember, when was the last time, or in fact, the only time so far in Torah, we've had the word Nitzim? Larry, are you coming up with that one? No? Rick, do you have an answer to that one or something else? Something else. Okay. So everyone, look in your uh, Chumash, because you all have Shmot in front of you. Go to chapter 2 of Shmot. Verse 13, the first time Moshe's authority is confronted, after Moshe strikes the taskmaster, right? Verse 12, Vayifen Moshe looked this way and that, Vayarki Eini, she saw there was no one around, or as we discussed back then, he saw that no one else was willing to stand up and be a man. Vayachet HaMetri, he smote the Egyptian, Vayitmenenu Bachol, and he hid him in sand. Vayetze Bayom and he went out on the second day after that. There were these two guys who were nitzim, who were grappling with each other. And he said to the one who was beating the other, why are you beating your friend? And Rashi on that said, who were these two anashim who were nitzim? Datan v'yavira. So Rashi is consistent through the Midrash that the people who appear unnamed standing, presenting, grappling, getting in the way of Moshe doing his job are not Korach himself, but the people who are going to be drawn to Korach's cause. And they're the ones who are Nitzaviving here. Because according to this translation, according to Rashi's basically translation of the verse, we're opening up another front of potential overlapping and conflicting leadership amongst the Israelites. You've got Pharaoh, you've got taskmasters, you have Shotrim, you have Moshe and Aaron, and now you have these Anashim Hornitzavim saying, hey, we, we're, we, we've got some stuff to say about this also. So um, I thought it was a particularly interesting Rashi, given the fact that we spent 45 minutes trying to break down the verse, and we never came up with possibility that, that, that the people who were Vayif Ge'uing were anyone but the people we'd already seen in the scene. Okay, I see Larry, Diane, I see Rick, and I see Sue.
First, I think it's the first time you've talked about Zatam Devav Yoram and not mentioned Edward G. Robinson. Um, Where's your Moses now? There you go. Um, secondly, it's a really interesting midrash, but it, 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 it really ruins the flow of the story completely. But I would appreciate, I mean, I can appreciate his saying that the Nitzavim meant that there was a quarrelsome nature to the encounter, whoever was being, but I would probably disagree with him about who it is that's being quarrelsome. And I know that you want to finish verse by verse. Sometimes it really is important to, as Joanna did, go back and read or, or go forward and read. Because it's not just that they were standing there, because the next verse starts, which I know you want to wait for next week. And they said to them, and it's really important to understand who's speaking, because the entire flow of this confrontation, I think, at least at the Pashat level, makes it clear what's going on. Do you want to... Do you want to extend that? Or do you want to wait till we get to that verse? Well, I'll just well, I'll just simply say my reading, and I can't find a commentary that even says it's a question. So I assume they all agree with me. Is it's the it's the Shotrim who are speaking to Moses and Aaron, and Aaron. Moses and Aaron are standing there. They put they put push them push, position themselves outside, like you said, so they can find out what's going on. And as soon as the Shotrim encounter them, they say, "What the hell did you do to us?" Yeah. So it's the Shotrim are berating Moses and Aaron. In my yeah. view, maybe someone will disagree. I, I, listen, I agree with you that I'm I'm struck by sh the stringing together of different scenes in the Torah. I love I, I love I love that aspect of midrash, right? La Haroz uh, There's a midrash. There's a midrash about midrash that imagines the rabbis being machar, um, haruzim to like like weaving and stringing together verses that seem disparate. So I love the the bringing back. The scene of Moshe and the taskmaster in this, and connecting with Korah. But I think you're right, Larry, that the story makes more sense. Doesn't mean doesn't mean it's it's right. The story makes more sense if the next verse, the 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 people who are going to be levying critique upon Moshe are the ones that we've already seen involved in the um, carrying out of slavery, right? Because that's what these Shotrim have been uh, obligated to do. Uh, Rick. Hi. Okay. Um, to make things less clear, right. we also <laughs> we also have Nitzavim. That's a Torah portion, and there there's all sorts of people listed, and it's not really a confrontational thing. Um, Moses is saying, "Hey, you all stand here um, to uh, enter in the covenant with God," but it's it's not a confrontation thing. They're just standing there. It's the same Nitzavim, but there you have. Rashechem, Shiv of the Shiv Techem, Zik Nechem, the Yishot Rechem again, and then Kol Yisrael again, and then the Tabchem and the Nishechem. Um, so everyone's there, the water carriers, the the yeah. tree cutters, and that Nitzavim uh, is, 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 is a Kulchem, all of you, right? All, the focus in that verse is really the Kulchem, that every single part, every single group of the Israelites is present in that scene. Right. So if if I could make a general statement, rabbis, Moses, they have to deal with all sorts of people in their congregation. Some are pro, some are against, and some don't say anything. So it just that that continues. Yeah. <laughs> and, and someone in the Midrash could go to the author of the Midrash that Rashi brings and says, if you're saying that every Nitzim and Nitzavim are Datan Aviram, what about Parshat Nitzavim? The answer to which right. is Kulchem. 
there it's all, it's, it's all of you. And therefore it takes us out of the category of just two individuals who are being brought in unnamed. It's, it's everybody. Uh, Sue, Joanna. Um, <clears throat> and this might be just a, a, a little bit obvious, but um, it, if we're looking at kind of the bigger message, I may have lost my train of thought. Um, it's, when when there's if if the leadership and the you know the rules and the laws and whatever they are 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 so unjust um that it it seems um you know just to apply it to life it seems pretty easy for um the, the whole array to devolve into power struggles and um you know it's it it it's not it doesn't need to anything good or anything clear. Um, but, but it certainly is a, a kind of a window into, you know, if, if Pharaoh had been leading justly, all of this would not be, we wouldn't have Nazi Vimbe, Nazi Vimbe, Nazi Vimbe, you know, these ones in front of these ones, in front of these ones, in front of these ones, it devolves pretty, um, you know, predictably. Yeah. Great. Joanna, last comment that I want to make one logistical comment to the whole class. Um, just going back two comments ago to, you know, the challenge to leadership, I think, you know, sort of a very interesting perspective on our people from biblical times until today is to look at the fact that we always had multiple types of leadership functioning at the same time, right? So like just off the top of my head, even just biblically speaking, we have Shoftim, we have Shotrim, we have Nisi'im, we have Kohanim, we have Zikainim, we have Nivi'im. I mean, and I may be leaving out a few that I'm not thinking of at the moment. And, you know, so the interplay between the leaders, their roles, threats to leadership, how leadership works, whether or not it's collaborative or frictional at any given moment, I think is, you know, a fascinating thing to look at. Yeah. Um, so much more to say there in, in terms of hierarchical structures and reporting structures and leadership and how lack of clarity makes for complicated situations. I'll, I'll just give one sentence to that. And some of you who've been in, involved in the upper levels of leadership at Tumbal Batham know of what I speak a little more clearly. So I have a senior staff, right? The members of the senior staff and structurally they report to me, right? The, the you know, Cheryl and Rabbi Schatz, Rabbi... Chorney and uh, Rabbi Shapiro and Dr. Rothblum, because I'm their, I'm their professional supervisor. I don't hire them because the way we hire at Temple Beth is that the board of trustees hire them. So someone in that role can really legitimately ask themselves, whom, who, who, who do I answer to? Because it's complicated when you answer both to a board who is responsible for your employment and your compensation and an individual who's responsible for your professional, you know, accomplishments and demeanor. It's not, so when everything is healthy and it works, it's fine. But when you have a complicated um, um, reporting system and hierarchy and there's conflict, it can lead to an amplified conflict. So we're seeing some of that lahavdil elef havdalot in this scene. Okay, a couple of logistical comments. This is much better than outdoors. But what you don't know on Zoom is how loud the work they're doing on La Cienega is right outside Pilch Hall. It's so it's a temporary thing, but it is so loud. So if, if any of us seemed a little bit distracted, it's because of that. Um, I am so committed to this class. 
I'm exhausted on a level that I am usually not at the end of teaching an hour. It's really hard to do this hybrid. I am committed to keeping the Zoom open for the people who don't live in Los Angeles. Ad infinitum, you will always be welcome. Joanna, we're so delighted that you're a part of this Rashi class experience. And I'm committed to keeping it open for those who feel um, nervous on a medical level to be where the class is being taught because that is beyond reproach. I'd like to make an appeal to those who live locally for whom staying at home is convenient, I get it, that when we're meeting in person to join in person. It's one thing if we have you know, 14 people around the table and occasionally one or two people on Zoom um, raise their hand. But today I was like teaching mostly to the Zoom and felt like I was ignoring the people in the room and that seems inverted, not that I care about one group more than others. But I, I want us to move towards the fact that this is an in-person experience for the most part, with exceptions being made, with love for people we want to include who don't live here, and for people who are truly um, uh, feeling that they're not willing to take the risk of being indoors. And hopefully we can get to that point um, sooner rather than later. And I'm going to trust all of you. I, you're, all, you're, you're adults, you're individuals, you make decisions for yourself. I'm not your, I'm not your advisor here. But if you, can, if you would feel comfortable being in person for this class, I can invite you to do so because it's going to make for a more pleasant experience and hopefully make me feel less like a schmott at the end of the teaching. Barry? Barry's going to say something on this. On I just the, want to add to that. It, it feels really empty here for, for three of us at this huge table sitting <laughs> with Rabbi here. It, it, it's, it's, it's very empty. So uh, come on, guys. <laughs> Let's be together. So uh, everyone will make their own decisions. Now, reminder, the next two Wednesdays, all on Zoom. Okay? I'm teaching next two Wednesdays, but I'm not going to be in Los Angeles. So all on Zoom the next two Wednesdays. The three Wednesdays from now would also all be on Zoom, and that's only if Leonard is teaching. I'll send out reminders. We're probably not meeting next in person until I'm back August 8th, so August 10th is the next in-person meeting. That gives us four weeks, hopefully, for people to feel more comfortable on the COVID level, and it'll be in Pilch Hall. Have a good day, everybody. Koltuv. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.